just lean in more than you think you have to when you okay. speak. Yeah. Okay. What did we say at the beginning again? <laughs> welcome to Club Um You say, hi. hi. And welcome to Dead Mom Society. No, we, wait. The yeah, yeah, yeah. No one wants to be in. We get you. Let's do this. I'm Kate. I'm Elle. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It. It's okay. been a long time. I'm Kate. I'm Elle. Or am I, I'm Elle. I'm Kate. I, I go first. Okay. Um, because I say the club that no one wants to be in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, uh, uh. Getting Welcome. in the groove. Getting, Getting in the groove. In the groove. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> it's been a while. Okay. I forgot what it's like to look at you. Yeah, when this is a lot. Okay. okay. Hopefully, we won't do a lot of ums and uhs and ands like and we likes. have. likes. I know. We're going to okay. be fine. We're going to be fine. All right. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Dead Mom Society. The club that no one wants to be in. We get you. Let's do this. I'm Kate. I'm Mel. And we are here to talk today about what it's like to have dead moms and dead friends and loved ones. And it's been a long time since we've done this. It's been a minute, like a took long a hiatus. Time. We took about a six month hiatus and we realized that that was a really good thing for us to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But we do want to do a little catch up sesh. Yes. right now but also first off hi we we missed you guys we missed you guys we <laughs> missed doing this we really did we've seen we've seen your messages we're yes. not ignoring we're not stopping the podcast no we just had to take a little bit of a of a little break and we'll start to do seasons now which will be good but yeah. we appreciate your messages and we appreciate everyone reaching out consistently even when we weren't recording because it definitely made us feel motivated and excited to get back to it yeah, so. and excited to see a lasting imprint, you know, an impact. That's the whole point of this. So 100%. we're just really grateful for everyone listening. Yeah. And grateful for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's yeah. freaking do this. So thing. Mel, how have you been? Well, <laughs> I mean, Big question. I, <laughs> let's see. A few months ago, June, fell, broke my nose, got a concussion. And then my concussion led to post-concussive syndrome. And then that led to some mental health issues. But we're coming out of it. We're doing really well now. We're back on track, so to speak, which is the most important thing. And I think that it's been really good for me to just have kind of grief on the back burner as much as I can right now. Because I do think that it's really hard sometimes to differentiate between what's grief And what's depression? And is this, which one is it? You know, like, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling really sad, but is that because I miss my mom or I miss my friend? Or is it because, you know, this chemical imbalance in my brain is effing me up? Mm -hmm. And so I think that has been something that's been really challenging for me. But it's really good practice to learn and to distinguish because one is something that you can address via, you know, grounding exercises or emotional regulation and the other is grief and it's mm-hmm. not really you can't control it you can't structure how you deal with it I feel like mm-hmm. unfortunately there's not medicine or a prescription that can help with grief but there is medicine or prescription that can help with depression and I can totally see how that gets so muddy and how when you're in the space of like what am I feeling how do yeah. I decide this how do I differentiate this is this something that can be, yeah, just like you said, a chemical imbalance, or is it something that I'm feeling in my heart? Like, what is happening? That sounds like a lot. Yeah, it was a lot, and I think that it really made me ask the question why a lot about why I feel the way I do, 
Mm -hmm. um, in every emotion, in every instance, I started to feel something like that. Um, and I think that helps. I think therapy helps. You know how we love our therapists <laughs> on this podcast. Um, so much. And just like addressing it, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that helps too. Mm -hmm. So doing much better. Good. On track. Glad to hear it. Ready to be here. And you have a cute new nose. I have a cute new nose. Oh yeah, I got surgery. Mm-hmm. I got a new nose. Mm -hmm. Got my tonsils taken out, so getting a lot more oxygen to the brain. <laughs> so we are doing well. We are live, laugh, loving over live, here. Live, laugh, love, baby. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> Especially laugh. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mostly laugh. <laughs> not a lot of love. Not a lot of love, right? And we're forced to live, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's not choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to make that a new Hobby Lobby sign and be like just the <laughs> most <to> depressing <laughs> live, laugh, love sign you ever saw. And it just like goes down like live, we're forced to. Laugh, mostly. <laughs> love, not at all. Never heard of her. <laughs> Never met her. Who is she? <laughs> Kate, how has life been for you? You've had a lot of life updates. Yeah, it's been good. It's been um, a journey. <laughs> it's been a wild ride. Um as you know, I moved to Scotland for four months and I definitely would like to go back long term because it was really cool to kind of like be in charge of creating a life because I've never really had to do that before. Um, just being from Denver and born and raised here and everyone pretty much is still here from like childhood and beyond. I've never really had to cultivate a community around me that wasn't already cultivated. So that was a really cool thing to get to do. And I really, really enjoyed that. And Scotland is the most magical place in the entire world. And I definitely see myself being there for a longer time. Um, and I made some great friends, some great connections. I had like a local pub that I went to and the bartender was named Fiona and I cried and we said goodbye. It was really sad. And I loved my flat and I lived right on the high street. So I didn't have to, I mean, I didn't have a car, but I didn't have to have one because I just walked everywhere. The beach was a mile away. My favorite park was a mile away. It was magical. It was, it was the best time. It was so great. And a lot of people came to visit, which was really fun. And when, before I left, I definitely was like, hmm, how am I going to... How am I going to handle my story? Because I'm a stranger. And everyone that I met there was a really strange connection. But like, I was like three times removed from everyone that I met there. I, I met a lot of people through people, but all of them were like, I'm this friend of a friend who went to college here, blah, blah, blah. It's just it's so cool. really roundabout connections. And so no one knew me. No one knew any thing about me, really. They just said, they got an Instagram message or an email from someone being like, there's this girl moving to Aberdeen <laughs> and she doesn't know anyone. Will you take her under your wing? And everyone did, which was magical. But I, I was honest about my story and everything. And I, uh, I just kind of realized that this is who I am. And I definitely took a break from my grief, which was honestly amazing because I just wasn't faced with it every day. And there was so many moments where I was like, dang, I wish my mom were here with me, but she wouldn't have been there anyway. She would have been in Denver. So it just felt different. And I like picked up my phone and I gave her a call to her voicemail and said, I just had the best day. This was so great. Or you probably know more about my life now than anyone else does because you can see it a lot closer than you would have if you were here. So yeah, that was kind time. of special. Yeah. yeah. And it was cool because, I mean, when I would talk about it with people, I'd be like, yeah, my mom passed away two years ago. I celebrated her two-year anniversary in Scotland. I was on a 100-mile um, walk across Scotland, which was so fucking cool. And I, my really dear friend Hannah came to visit, um, and she 
we like did this walk together and my <laughs> this is a thing I'm I'm resigned to do something that my mom would have hated every year on her day because it makes me laugh. <laughs> and I just think it's funny because when you, you know, if you're like, oh, I just, I need to do something that my mom loved. It would make me so sad. But yeah. like thinking about, because what I love to do is I do it and I think about what she would have been doing if she were with me. And it makes me laugh because she'd have been like, this is a ridiculous walk. <laughs> and my mom loved to walk. But a hundred mile walk over the course of six days, she would have, she would have hated it. <laughs> Especially with like the inclement weather we had. Right. Like, we were almost blown out the side lost. of the mountain and yeah. yeah, we got lost a couple of times <laughs> and it was just, it was so great and it was so fitting and so that felt really good, but it was the most wonderful journey and um, so I'm glad I did it and definitely want to do it more. And so I came back to Denver in August and I've been here since and it's been good. I had a lot of anxiety about coming back, honestly, but it's been good. Um, but I'm definitely ready for my next adventure. I, I'm just not ready to be, I'm not ready to stay put yet. I've just never really lived outside of Colorado. And so I want to explore more and I want to, um, keep being a stranger. Really. I want to just, I want to keep, um, I really enjoyed that and I really want to keep doing that. So that's amazing. Yeah. And I think that really is in line with kind of how you feel about wanting to be a stranger to take a break. You know, mm-hmm. like wanting that, that feeling of nobody knowing you, nobody asking about that, mm-hmm. like about your story, but you get to say it on your terms. You get to be this whole new person, not the girl who just lost her mom or the girl someone has known forever and you lost their, their person too. Yeah. It was a really cool experience getting to know people from a blank slate and also having people get to know me from a blank, blank slate. Like my two super dear friends out there, Amy and Mary, um, we just... I mean, we literally, they're going to be friends for life. And we knew nothing about each other. And we were only together for four months. And But we saw each other at least twice a week for those four months, maybe even three times, sometimes even more often than that. And it just, getting to meet someone that you've never even had, you know, you're, you don't even have the same culture. And just getting to build that up from absolute scratch was so cool and how fulfilling and it was rewarding. so fulfilling it was so fulfilling and so it, it honestly like gave me a little bit of like an identity like like what's the opposite of identity crisis I don't really like know validation kind like of like yeah like creation? I feel very sure of myself now because I've never really had a lack of confidence or a lack of um self-assuredness but when my mom died I had a bit of an identity crisis because I was like okay I used to be Kate and now I'm Kate with a dead mom and, and you used to be Kim's daughter. And yeah. You still are, but Kim's gone. Yeah. So it definitely was a, was a thing for me of just like, how do I navigate this, this new phase? And there I didn't have to, cause I was just me and that rocked. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> it was really cool. And it also made me realize that sometimes maybe I almost put expectations on people of like, this is what you're thinking right now. And they might not be. So it was good for me to, to come back and to be like, honestly, to have people be like, how was your trip? And didn't ask me anything about my mom because like I always want to talk about her and stuff but it's not what it was about it was about me it was about you yeah and it was not about finding a mate either everyone else thinks that's what it was about and it was absolutely not about it wasn't about that either you no it was about me so all you people out there (laughs) asking did you meet anyone in that with like a little winky face (laughs) the answer is a secret (laughs) a secret you'll never know you'll never know because that's what it's not about it's not about that. It's not about that. Anyway, 
Um, yeah. So bottom line is so glad to be back. We're so glad to be here. We're so glad that we took a hiatus though, because it was totally necessary. I don't think either of us realized how much we actually needed it. It wasn't weighing on us, but having these conversations repeatedly can get heavy. And it, I mean, it makes you, it forces us to discover more about ourselves and more Mm -hmm. about our grief. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think it just takes taking a break to reassess and evaluate those feelings that come up. See how far you've come almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just give yourself a little bit of validation for things that maybe you hadn't in the past because we've had these incredible interviews with people who bring up things we hadn't even thought about in years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that it just took time for us to digest and reset. Yeah. And now we're back. And we definitely want to do this in a sense of seasons. So last season if you will season one was 10 episodes it was five of us and actually you know what I think it was six of us and four interviews because we dived into each other's stories as well that's right so anyway this time we're gonna try and do five of us five interviews for season two and then take another hiatus and obviously it's a work in progress we have no idea what's gonna happen but from our viewpoint right now that sounds pretty good to us so Mm -hmm. we can kind of have some reset time um but obviously we want to hear from you guys and we want we want updates on you and we want to be kept in the loop along the way of all of your journeys as well. So thank you for doing that without us having to ask. We really, really, really loved opening Instagram to messages and getting to hear, like, thank you so much for reaching out and continue to do so. It made us feel so honored and it continues to make us feel so honored. Yeah. Because, you know, as a griever, you know that you've been dealt this deck of cards and you just hope that you can deal it back out in a meaningful way. Yeah. So I just think it, it really validates that experience for us. And we're very grateful. Very, very grateful. Absolutely. Yeah. So in that vein, today we are talking about um, empathy. And we're talking about the, um, <laughs> I want to say side effects of empathy. <laughs> because there are positives and there are negatives. But it's I it's to me it's less of like the empathetic experience because... Mm-hmm. Everyone can relate to that, whether you've had someone pass away or not. Everyone is capable of empathy, unless you're a psycho. Yeah, Yeah. you know, then then that's really a bummer for you. Um, (laughs) And for everyone that you're surrounded yourself with, that's a huge disappointment. That's rough. rough. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry about that. Um, But unless you're Joe from you, we are going (laughs) to assume, or Jeffrey Dahmer, we're going to assume that you have the capacity to be empathetic. And we want to explore not so much what it means to be empathetic, but more the side effects of empathy. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to dive into today. And Mel, if you want to take it away, girlfriend. Okay, let's talk about empathy. When you lose someone, you're more capable of empathizing with somebody who's lost someone. And at first glance, I feel like that is super obvious. Like, duh. However, when you dive into it a little bit more, I think back to before my mom died. And I think back to literally not being able to imagine her dying. And not being able to understand how someone who has lost someone so important to them was able to get on with their lives and move forward and not just die. And I think it took my mom dying for me to really understand what that kind of loss is like. And I think that's how it is with any loss. And so it gives you this opportunity, grief and empathy. Grief gives you an opportunity to empathize with other people who are grieving. And that's how a community is created. And that's how... A safe space is, is created, and that's how, you know, dead mom societies are created. Mm-hmm. And two sides of the coin in this case, because it also can be 
a little bit unfortunate when you can't empathize exactly with someone's experience. Mm-hmm. Kate and I talk a lot about how our grief is different. And while our, our situations were similar, our grief is different. Mm-hmm. And we empathize with each other a shit ton. That's mm-hmm. why we're doing this, because we get each other so well. And there will be certain things we'll never be able to understand. And I think when you're empathetic with someone, it's hard to accept that, too. 100%. Yeah, I think a lot of times with me personally, because I really like to, um, I just really think that I'm so smart and clever. you are. <laughs> and I just think that everyone should just do what I say. Yeah. Just do what I tell you to do. Even though if you tell me what to do, you're going to get a sock in the face. I and fucking hate being told what to do. Yeah. I hate being told what to do. It's my least favorite thing in the world. So obviously I have to do it to everyone else because that only makes sense. Obviously. So when I am talking with people about their grief, sometimes it is difficult for me. You know the phrase, put yourself in their shoes. Yes. That only goes so far. Put yourself in their shoes trying to understand what they're feeling, but don't put them in your shoes oh, to say, well, my grief is like this because we're not talking about your grief right now. We're talking about theirs. And sometimes I have to stop this train before it even starts because I will almost start a sentence to be like, well, me, for me, no, that's not what we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Unless someone who is grieving and who, oh, okay, so let's set up a little situation, actually. Let's, because I don't want to. It's situational. It's it, totally situational. I don't want to make it seem like this is applicable to every single conversation about grief. Mm-hmm. Say you know someone who is grieving and you are approaching them to talk about their grief and you are looking to comfort them and you're looking to be some sort of sounding board for them. They start talking about their grief. Your responsibility in that moment is not to compare your grief or to say, well, for me, well, in my experience, your responsibility is to listen, to ask why, ask ask why, yep, Mm -hmm. let them talk, dive into it if they want that. If they say, what's it like for you? Do you relate to this? That is your opportunity to open up that space. But until that question, when it's about their grief, we need to try and make it about their grief. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when I am in that space of empathy and I'm really trying to kind of like be an understanding thing for them, I have to do that in my own mind. I have to almost translate it mm-hmm. in my head. But like a different language, kind yeah, of. Yeah, but I can translate it in my head without speaking mm-hmm. my own language out loud. And I think that's an important distinguish. It's it's important to distinguish between those two because so true. every single experience is different and it's not your job to make them understand your grief and it's not... They're not asking that of you either. They're just trying to speak about it and maybe understand it within themselves. They're searching for a space to air their air their feelings out. Mm-hmm. And most likely it's because they don't know where else to go. Mm-hmm. And most likely it's because they know you can empathize. But you won't be able to fully empathize until you give them the opportunity to tell you how they're feeling. Exactly. For you to be like, oh, if I was feeling that way, I would have this reaction or action to exactly the opportunity to learn more even about yourself and how you might act in the same situation they're in Mm -hmm. and how you might feel but you only get that opportunity when they give you the floor exactly it's not up to you and I get it I mean so many people you know when you're in a conversation somebody says something and they want to continue the conversation so they say oh I relate to that because and it could be harmless and it's also really important to remember that it's not your place until they ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, if this is a back and forth conversation, if this is what it is, that's amazing. But if you're going out to comfort someone specifically and to check up on them, it's important to make it about them. Bottom line. Absolutely. Um, 
But yeah, I think that's, it's funny too, because, you know, when my mom passed away, or actually, no, this is before, this is way before, when one of my friends, her dad passed away, and I reached out to another one of our friends whose dad had passed away previously, and I asked, I was like, is there anything I should say? And she was like, I, I literally don't know. I know I went through this, but it's different, and I don't know how to relate to it, and I don't know what to say. And I think that is like a recognition of the limits of empathy. And it's not about fully understanding their situation. It's about understanding your situation and using what you have had to try and bring some sort of comfort and peace. Right. But we, my sister just had a dear friend pass away and I didn't know what to say. And then one of my other like childhood friends just had his mom pass away after she had been sick for more than half of his life. Mm -hmm. And the first thing when I saw that she had passed, I literally said, I can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine what that's like. I can, but not in that specific situation. No, no. And, and I mean, yeah. And that's okay. Cause you're not supposed to. Right. Empathy is more about tr just like what you said, Mel, I'm trying to understand where they're coming from and creating that space so you can ask better questions and comfort them better. Yes. That's what it's about. Mean it's something you'll even ever feel or anything you should feel. It just means that it's an opportunity for you to learn more about someone's motivation and intentions and their feelings and where they're coming from. That's the whole point of empathy, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think back, and you know, I'm no expert on this. I think back to... Really? I think... <laughs> um, didn't we go to, like, school for this? And, yeah, like, don't we, we have degrees? Doctors of, we, empathy. of empathy and... <laughs> And we're joking. The rule book. <laughs> we have no expertise. We're talking out of our asses right now. And if you relate, you relate. If you don't, you can call us crazy. That's okay. Yeah. We don't really care. So. <laughs> no offense, but we don't really care what any of us. <laughs> we're just here for fun. It's okay. Um, no, but I think back to college when um, we lost one of our friends. And I think back to that being a lot of people in my group's first loss. And I remember them coming to me because I had just lost a friend a year prior to. And them being like, what do I do? Like, I don't know. How how do we do this? Like, I, I don't. What do you do? And for me, it was so hard to answer. Because, like, I truly don't think. I think grief gives you empathy in the way that you're able to comfort someone. I don't think grief gives you the empathy to know what to say all the time. Or mm. to know what to do all the time. I don't think that's the point of it. That is be that's a beautiful distinction. That is so important for people to hear. Holy cow. I think so. Can you repeat that? Empathy gives you the opportunity to create a space a safe space and comforting space for someone, but it doesn't give you the opportunity to necessarily know what to do based on what that person is feeling or know what they should do based on what you did. Beautiful. It's an opportunity more than it is, I think, a tool. Ooh, love that. And it is a tool, but I think it's more of an opportunity. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes empathy can be a real pain in the ass, honestly, because having the capacity to be empathetic, sometimes I want to turn my empathy off and be a little bit of a frigid bitch, honestly. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I'm capable of doing it. There might be people that's going to be like, you kind of are frigid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so like, wait, wait a minute. Um, what do you mean? I hope I don't come across as that, but sometimes I feel that I can. Because... <laughs> but it is interesting because so there are so many times in the last 
probably year that I have really noticed I'll be watching certain things or experiencing certain things and I have a really hard time taking it for what it's meant to be because I'm looking at it through a grief lens and I think that is my empathy biting me like in the ass and I I experienced it the first time um if you haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home I need you to skip ahead probably a minute (laughs) just a minute (laughs) just a minute that movie is a movie about grief. And I saw that movie and I saw it by myself and I'm really glad I saw it by myself because I was kind of torn up about it afterwards. He loses every single person in his life. Like every single, they forget he exists. And that type of grief, I cannot even imagine how all consuming that would be. I cannot even fathom what that would be like. And I really had a hard time looking at that movie any other way other than this is a movie about extreme grief and this poor person what what and I literally and it's it Spider-Man. it's fucking <laughs> Spider-Man some goddamn Marvel movie like I should be it should be about like slinging webs and you know having <laughs> fun and it. like crawling on the ceiling and stuff but and I for, <laughs> I'll also love Spider-Man I don't I don't really care for Marvel but Spider-Man's cool but I just I could not get past it and then I also, I had COVID um, over New Year's last year. Yes. And I watched all eight Harry Potter movies. And I love Harry Potter. I've seen all of those movies probably 30 times. Not joking. Fuck. I have my own wand. Like, I, I fuck with Harry Potter. I love it. And I literally, I'll never watch those movies the same way again. Because I watched it and I was like, oh my God, this kid is bereft. <laughs> like, he is so bereft. Is, Talk about complicated bereavement, oh, baby. fuck. And I was like, he's he's grieving and he never had the space to grieve and he never had the time to grieve. And like, his friends are great, but no one really asks him about his grief. And fucking Dumbledore, when Sirius dies, is like, I know how you feel. And I'm like, Dumbledore, shut up. Shut up. You, you don't, don't know, know how he feels. <laughs> or not Sirius. It's when Cedric dies. Yeah. But I just... It's this like grief lens and it's like, you know, we were talked about this earlier. When you're in love, you have rose colored glasses on yes. and you look at movies differently and you hear songs that are about love and you're like, I get it. I understand what the song is about now. It's the same way when you are grieving and this like freaking empathy just like crawls up your back and just like sits on your shoulder and you are looking at these movies and hearing these songs and hearing these stories and you cannot focus on anything but the grief. And it is honestly disappointing because it it's, they're not, I can't take this like shade off. Like mm-hmm. this grief lens is, it's not going anywhere. And I don't know if it ever will. I hope it gets a little bit lighter at some point, but damn. It's so true though. It's crazy. <laughs> and I think that the way you absorb just any information changes because you, I at least for me, Something will happen and I'll immediately think of my mom. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, some that happens to other people too, but they're not remembering the same memory. They're not remembering the same feeling. They're just grieving and remembering. And I do think that having empathy for someone who's grieving, it's important to stay general. I think it's important to stay general more than it is to be specific in your empathy. Mm. Unless it's something they're asking. Like, hey... After this happened, after your person died, did you feel this way? Mm-hmm. Instead of, oh, like, I felt this exact way when this person died. So I know they must feel exactly this way and express it exactly this way. 
Yeah. It's just unrealistic. And it is also hurtful. It is hurtful. Yeah. You guys know that I had a really hard time crying, and I still do. I, I don't cry very often. Um, I cry happy tears a lot, but it's it's hard for me to feel true sadness and, and cry tears for myself. It's difficult. And I said that to someone, and they told me that was odd. And I was like, that's... That's not cool. Uh, an interesting response. And they were like, I just couldn't stop crying when my mom died. I just couldn't stop crying. And, and I'm that's like, the issue. Yeah, that's exactly. It's like a perfect example. And it was okay. I mean, I wasn't like offended by that, but I was like, well, fuck. I'm already thinking this is a problem. And now you're telling me that it's weird. Right. And I'm thinking it's more of a problem. <laughs> like, right. Uh-oh. Well, like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and, ah, my head is scrambled. Um, well, and I think that, you know, goes back to we're human. Everyone, you know. Oh, my God, It's yeah. so hard for things to not just, like, fly out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. But to really, when you're talking to a griever, even if you are a griever, really think about what you're going to say before you say it. Because instead of that's odd, you, you know, you could think to say, wow, do you want to tell me more about that? Mm-hmm. Or... That sounds really hard. Mm-hmm. End of story. And I think that provides another opportunity for empathy for you to think, wow, she feels like she can only grieve through tears. Mm-hmm. And I can't cry. And that's really hard. So I can imagine the other way is really hard too. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. So it's another opportunity for empathy while also being an opportunity to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm gonna say that the next time and be like, so I'm gonna talk about my grief, so this is a really good opportunity for you to shut the fuck up. It's just true though. And like, who can blame you for this? Like, just listen. Oh my god. Just listen, and they'll tell you if they want you to say something. Oh, that is so good. I mean, I do do that a lot of times. I'll sometimes be like, I'm gonna tell you a story, and I don't want to hear your opinion about it. Like, I literally will, with my dad especially, because you know, you know dads. You know dads. Dads are the fucking best, but you know dads, so you're just like, dad is the the worst day at work, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, why don't you talk? No! Shut up! I don't want a solution. I don't want to hear your opinion. I just want to tell you that I had that day. Just like be a vat for all my feelings to go in. Yeah. Yeah. And then release the damn if you have to. But for now. For now. Just be my freaking punching board. Yeah. When I'm feeling solution oriented, I will ask you for a solution. But that's not how it is right now. I do this one time. This was a really long time ago. I don't even remember the context of what was happening. But I think I was like about to post a photo on Instagram or something. And I showed someone. I was like, isn't this a cool photo? I was really proud of it. And they said, oh, I wouldn't edit it that way. I would edit it this way. And I said, I don't recall asking for your opinion. Yes. And I posted it. (laughs) And they were like, whoa. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I was like, no. No. I don't. I I just told you I think it's really cool. I literally said, isn't this a cool photo? Their proper response is that. Yeah, that's a cool photo. <laughs> what? Exactly. So you were totally allowed to say that. When you talk... Because if it's not going to affect you, mm-hmm. shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Ooh, I'm going to so use that. I'm going to be like, I'm about to be sad for a moment. This is a really good opportunity for you to just shut your mouth. You might as well. <laughs> you might as well because that also warns people. Sets no, that's the expectation. so funny. I love sets that. Sets the expectation. <laughs> gives them the opportunity to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And also, hey, if you're talking to someone... You're a griever talking to another griever, mm-hmm. and you feel it coming on. You're about to talk about how you relate because this is bringing up emotions for you. Like, I want to validate that when someone else is talking about their grief, I feel like it's really human for it to bring up your own grief. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like you can't filter that and you can't provide a space for this person to talk about their grief, I highly recommend just saying, you know, this is really hard for me, and I don't think I can be there for you in the way you need me right now. And yeah. like, I am so here for you to talk, but I, I don't think I can, I don't think I can be here right now. As someone who had 
a lot of those experiences, I would have massively preferred that versus someone making my grief about them. Mm -hmm. I, if someone was like, hey, I don't even understand what you're going through. And I'm going to be honest, I don't really have the capacity to understand what you're going through right now. I am so down to like hang out with you and do activities with you and be there for you in some ways, but I can't be there for you in this way versus, oh my God, that's so crazy. That's so interesting. Well, when I went through something similar, when I lost my shoe at a party, I was so sad and I missed that shoe. It's like, fuck off. (laughs) I would have so much rather heard honesty. And I understand how uncomfortable that is for that person. Mm -hmm. I understand that. That's fucking terrifying to do, especially when you're a friend and you really do want to be there for this person and you really are dying to comfort them, but you don't know how. Mm -hmm. I get it. I fully understand it. And it comes out of your mouth before you even fucking know it. I totally understand it. Mm -hmm. But I think if you take away something from this, if you're not grieving yourself or if you are grieving, just truly cannot relate and cannot have the capacity, ask yourself what you would have rather heard in that situation and do that. And that's the opportunity for empathy. There you go. There's just always an opportunity for empathy that's helpful empathy. Mm -hmm. Because yes, relating to someone is empathy, but talking about it may not be helpful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I also think about your mom's funeral. And I think about how I went to the service and I was a blubbering mess and I literally could not pull myself together. And I was thinking a lot about my mom's funeral. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling or texting you and I was like, I'm here for you and I love you. And I don't think I can make it to the reception because mm-hmm. I was really worried about making it about me. Mm-hmm. And that day was about Kim and that day was about your family. And it's, you know, this, it's really hard to do because you worry, you know, I was so worried that you would feel abandoned by me and, mm-hmm. And it's really hard to not be able to be there for your friend when you want to be mm-hmm. and they might need you. And it's also more important to give your friend the opportunity to find someone else who can be there for them in the way they need it right then. Mm-hmm. And I, that is okay. There was no offense. There was no, there was, I mean, obviously there was like, I wish that I could have had you, but I also mm-hmm. understood 100 million percent that that was not happening and that is totally okay. And like, that's the shit about like being a friend, you know, is being honest with yourself so you can be honest with your friends because if you can't, I mean, it's what we all say. If you're lying to your therapist, you're lying to yourself. If you're lying, yeah, you, you know, you just, you have to be honest. Oh, fuck. God. Oh, fuck. You gotta be honest. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I had an alarm go off, sorry. Um, But I also, it's, I don't think I've ever told you this before actually, but at your mom's funeral, we had just gotten some bad news about my mom. And I remember being there and I was like towards the front and I was sitting with Gil. And I remember, I don't remember exactly who was speaking, but it was after like singing and dancing and it was awesome. And then someone got up to speak and I had to excuse myself because I just got to a point where I was like, this is overload and I just need to go take a moment for myself. And so I walked out and our friend Cassidy came with me, bless her soul. And we went and sat on some swings and we're just chatting. And she was like, what's going on? I said, it's just going to be quicker than we thought. And I'm just having a hard time because I know that her day is going to be here sooner than I thought. And being here is just a little bit tough because I'm going to be here in a year. And I know this and that is hard. And Cassidy was like, yep, that's a lot. And then pulled myself together and then went back and saw you and everything was fine. But 
if I had stayed and if I had toughed it out and if I had thought to myself, if Mel sees me get up and go, she's going to be so upset. But then I would have ruined everything because I would not have been able to keep it together. So it's okay to take a moment and to be honest with yourself about how you're doing. And if you're not doing well and you can't handle it, be honest with your friend because they're going to understand. They're going to understand. And in that moment, you found someone else who could be there for you. Exactly. And that's huge. And, like, our friend Cass is literally our friend therapist. And oh, she my just, God. She just is there for us for everything. She's amazing. So that is also huge that she was there. I have, like, quotes written down from her. Because sometimes she just has these absolute zingers and you're like, Cassidy? She does. I don't understand how that just came out of your mouth because that just changed my entire world. That was amazing. That was amazing. And she's the best listener. She's the best listener of all time. And she's a really good hype woman. Anyway. This is our commercial for Cass. <laughs> <laughs> Cass, Cass, if you're listening, we're obsessed with you. Subscribe to Cass. <laughs> Love and it. Podcast. Um. <laughs> and also we're available on Spotify now. <laughs> Just letting you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah. I feel like sometimes, I don't know, that may have gotten a little bit off track of empathy, but it really does all relate back to empathy it because does. essentially in order to have these feelings and in order to have this, like, this recognition and this wherewithal, you have to have empathy and you have to be able to understand your own feelings before you can even try to understand someone else's feelings. Yeah. So. And I really think it all has to do with thinking before you speak, which is really hard for some people. Listen, I've been there, you know. And we, we've all been there. But to really think about. Not only what you felt, but how someone would feel about that knowing who that person is. Yeah, 100%. And just, I mean, to bring it back a little bit to what we talked about earlier, how both of us a little bit took a break from our grief. Um, I do think that that was kind of nice, too, because in a sense, we were both able to turn off our empathy just to just a skosh. Yeah. Not, maybe not turn it it off, but turn it down. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a knob. And that was really, really helpful too. And there were a lot of times this, when I was away and I straight up was like, you're having a bad day? It's a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) We are not in grief season right now, bitches. can't really talk about that with you because (laughs) I'm not having a bad day. And if I hear about (laughs) your bad day, I might start to have a bad day. So it's... That doesn't exist all the time. But again, you need to be honest with yourself. And that is okay. Well, and it's the same thing as having, like, you know, people who have autoimmune disease. They can't always be on all the time. They can't always Mm -hmm. feel their disease all the time. Mm -hmm. They want to have fun. They want to take their breaks. And when they're taking their breaks and they have, you know, the thoughts of their autoimmune disease or grief on the back burner, we put a pin in it for a little Mm -hmm. I mean, don't interrupt that person's face. (laughs) Think about how it would feel. Like, you know, you're studying for a test that is going to decide if you graduate college and you take a break from it. Well, you don't want someone to come up and start talking about the test to you when you're taking a break from it Mm -hmm. because your your brain needs that break. Mm -hmm. So, opportunity for empathy, people. Mm -hmm. Whether you can relate it to someone dying or taking a test, there's a way to understand what not to say and what to say and how to be there for a person. Totally. And it's okay to cue your friends too. I mean, there have been so many times where I have like, I have to talk about this thing and I have to preface it with something that happened. Like, and I literally have been like, so my mom died two and a half years ago, but we're not going to talk about that right now. I want to talk about this, but you just have to know that for context. Like if you're in that space and you're taking a, like a break from your grief and you're not really down to like, 
That is a-okay. That is so okay to just preface that yourself and put that out yourself. So your friends don't even have to have like the social cues to understand it. You can literally just be like, we're not talking about this. It's so true. (laughs) That's okay to do. It's not short. It's not sassy. It's just what you need. And you are allowed to take what you need. And if somebody takes friends to it, sorry, but too bad. It's more about them. It makes it about them. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of empathy is to make it about the other person. Mm. Which is so important. It is so important. It is so important. I also think something we talked about earlier is how empathy can make you feel other feelings more too. And we kind of touched on that a little bit mm-hmm. in this episode so far. But the idea of making you really think about how you might feel in a situation, even if you haven't ex- experienced it. And examining why you would feel those feelings to deeper understand someone else. Mm -hmm. I think why is a really important question to ask because I think a lot of times we tie our response to something to the feeling we have. Mm. And if you can separate it for a second and just kind of look at the feeling as something you're understanding instead of something you're projecting, I think that assists having empathy totally. Can you give us an example of like a situation? Can you come up with a situation? Let's think, let's think, let's think. Um, like, for example, um, okay, let's talk about sports because, you know, I don't, I can't empathize with sports. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not a competitive person, right? Mm-hmm. And my boyfriend is competitive. And let's just say I decided I wanted to play soccer, which would never happen. But let's just say, <laughs> let's just say I decided to play soccer. I'm playing with my boyfriend. And our team loses. To me, I'm like, oh, I don't really care at all. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't care if I win in sports ever. I, I set expectations realistically for myself. Mm-hmm. But it would really bother Danny. And I know that. So I know it would really bother Danny, even though it wouldn't bother me. Mm-hmm. And so I think, okay, well, if I was like Danny and I was in a situation, how would I feel? Well, I would feel frustrated. Why would I feel frustrated? Because it would make me feel like I wasn't good enough. Well, why would I feel that? And if you go deep enough, I think you can debunk those kinds of feelings about yourself that may be preventing you from going further. Mm, I like that. So it's like having empathy for someone else makes you examine your feelings deeper. Yeah. Hopefully that explained it. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. It also is funny that you compare it to sports because <laughs> Mel and I went to a Broncos game a couple weekends ago <laughs> and I am a diehard Broncos fan. Very, It's, it's, it's a tough job to have, but someone's got to <laughs> do it. And we went... And we, it was the Colts game, which was the most abysmal game of football. So fucking boring. No touchdowns. For no touchdowns for anyone. There was no right. touchdowns oh in God, the game. Right. And I really, really, I I love Bron- I love the Broncos and I love Broncos games. And like, I have said this a hundred times, like I would, if I could choose a place to die, it'd be at the Broncos game because I would die happy. Like <laughs> I love Broncos games. And anyway, at the end of the game, I was like, Mel, I'm so sorry I brought you such a boring game. It was a terrible game. She was like, I loved it. I had so much fun. <laughs> I was like, we got to sit in this place. We got some popcorn. Like, I'm chilling. Yes, but you still had empathy in yes. understanding that it was not a very good game. And I was very disappointed by the team. Yes. And you weren't. it's such a silly example but it is true true. because if you just put into real life experiences like that it clears things up a little bit you kind of get what it means and if you apply it to real life little situations little situations like this it makes you it makes it feel a little bit lighter and I think that helps you apply it better 100% because when something feels muddy and like you're kind of drudging through it like Mm -hmm. grief can feel it's harder to be clear about what you're feeling anyway so kind of 
reducing it to something that is relatable to like everyone, like sports, going to a sports game, playing sports, you know, it makes the idea of empathy a little bit easier. Totally. And it's all about practice. Yeah, that's exactly right. We are speaking as two people who have gone through a lot of grief and also have seen our loved ones go through a lot of grief. And so we do have the practice and it does take time. If you are someone who has never experienced a close loss, you know, it's going to take some time to flex this muscle and to understand how it works. And people are going to be understanding as long as you approach it with love. And as long as you approach it with like, I literally don't know what you're going through, but I would love to be here for you. Yes. And that, if I mean, if that's your approach, and if you feel that's like it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to be there for them, if you not necessarily don't want to, but feel like you can't even be there for them. Perfectly fine too. Perfectly fine. One of yeah. my favorite responses comes from one of my mom's close friends, Peter. Peter Hughes wrote the book at one minute, just throwing out a little, a little shout out for you, Peter. Um, he always will say bubble wrapping you in love. And that's always my go-to when I find out someone's going through new grief because just the idea of that is so general, mm-hmm. but it's also having the empathy to know that if you're being bubble wrapped in love, that's such a warm, nice feeling. Yeah. And I think that there's just certain phrases, like what's one that helps you feel just like, okay, this person loves me and we're not going deep here. Oh boy. I don't even know. I mean, I guess just like you can, you can feel however you want to feel. Like when people say that to me or is something like that of like, you have to apologize for how you're feeling. That's a really big one for me. And I think that gives you security and validation. And also I think that the way, the reason you are that way, and you know, I've been there too. Sorry is my favorite word Mm. is because of empathy. Because you're like, God, if they don't like it, then they're going to be too afraid to tell me. I don't want them (laughs) to feel uncomfortable, so I might as well just jump over that horse now. And it's like, wait, by having empathy, you just made it about you. So it's like that that other situation. Yeah. Oh, I just, like, I'm the only one thinking that this would be awkward. They're not even caring. They're just so happy to have food on their plate. That's so crazy. There's always an opportunity for empathy. That is so crazy. Right? Wow. I know. I just learned a thing today. <laughs> Frick yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Kate. Okay. So we're going to wrap it up. Um, and because this whole episode is a little bit of a tool, we're just going to go over kind of what we spoke about and boil it down to just three little bullet points that we think might be a good thing, a good approach for when you need to be empathetic and when you need to exercise your empathy muscle. Um, so Mel, I'm going to start us off with number one. Yeah. Number one is, what was number one? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number one is think before you speak. We, it's just really important, you know, take that little time, take that little extra time to just process what they just said and think about how you can be the most helpful, not how you can just relate it to yourself mm-hmm. in that moment. Beautiful. Out loud. Beautiful. Um, number two is put yourself in their shoes. Don't put them in your shoes. Try and understand where they're coming from versus making them understand where you're coming from because it's not about you. And number three is make sure to understand the how and why of what someone is feeling, not just the what they could be feeling when you're practicing empathy because that's what it's about. It's about what motivates them to feel something or what how they might react to a certain thing. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about what they're feeling because feelings are general. Everybody feels 
a spectrum of feelings, but not everyone experiences them the same way. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. That's what we got for you today, baby. That's what we got for you. Um, so happy to be back. So happy to be back. And please let us know if you have more ways. Yeah. To be empathetic in a helpful way. Yeah, obviously, we're just so, 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 so open to feedback, and we would love to hear your opinions on things. We'd love to hear more about what you guys are going through and how things are being handled within your own psyche. Um, You can find us on social media at Dead Mom Society on Instagram. Our email is deadmomsociety at gmail.com, so we'd love to hear your feedback on either of those platforms. And we are looking forward to a beautiful season of this show with interviews and exploration and laughs and, and so many laughs and maybe some songs and learn I don't know. more hopefully songs uh yeah hopefully we'll and i love music and dancing yeah anyway. yeah we're gonna put on some go-go boots and dance around to abba after this yeah obviously yeah it's actually not the plan but that sounds really fun <laughs> and i actually really want to do that now yeah i have a disco ball literally in my room so Forget. we're gonna get we're gonna put that baby to use anywho um love you guys love you guys <laughs> thank you so much party hard party on um <laughs> have empathy i forget our sign off oh wait oh fuck what is our sign off oh 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 it you go first it is what it is it's okay now be okay oh, that's what it is okay so um As yeah. we close up, <laughs> <laughs> we're out of practice okay we need to work on it okay great so <laughs> we would just like to close out and let you guys know we love you and it is what it is And it's okay to not be okay. Bye. Goodbye.